like for us, it's not different. We're still hanging out at the same time. You know, it's just like when we expect to um, publish this stuff is a little bit different. I'm really proud of, of the current project that we're working on. And I hope that you guys all enjoy it and appreciate it and stuff. Cause we're, we're putting some, we're putting some work into it, man. And, and, uh, and we think there's, it's going to be worthwhile for everybody. Yeah. And I mean, there's only a few people in here right now, but we're, we're, I mean, we can go ahead and promo it a little bit since it's going to come out this coming week, but we're putting together uh, essentially this first kind of series that we're doing for the, the weekly show is just literally what is pro wrestling and how did it start? And it's like historic, factual, you know, recorded data that Rob has put together for us, us talking through it, reacting to it, giving our own take and spin on it. And uh, it was just a lot of fun. I had a lot of fun Wednesday night recording it. And um, I think you guys are really going to like it. If you're if you're a true fan of pro wrestling, um, you're going to learn a lot. Um, Some of it you might have heard before. Um, but I think you're going to learn a lot about the origins of this sport that we all have devoted ourselves to, and uh, it'll be really informative and really cool. So we would love your feedback along the way as we roll these out. Just let us know if, if you thought it was informative, funny, if it made sense, if there's any uh, two cents you want to add. Um, but, you know, for the community aspect I think we're really leaning hard on the Sunday night streams and then also our discord. So you can have real time um, interaction with the uh, TIPW community. So, you know, again, to, to keep pushing that, but make sure you join our discord. Will set it uh, best. I mean, all of those things are true. <laughs> the, oh, uh, <laughs> None of that no, was a lie. Thank you. None of that was a lie. No, no. I'm super excited about the project. The only reason it's not already out is uh, I think uh, hopefully we, we just all just came to an agreement that it'd be best to have some episodes banked of the historical podcast so that we can make sure we have time to get research in and do what we want. To, we want to do it right, man. When we, It's, it's something uh, I think that sold Will on even jumping on here. It's something Rob's always wanted to do. And it's something I even wanted to do since the beginning, like with the NWA pod part of the cool part about the NWA was the, the amount of history that lies behind it. And, uh, and it's just, uh, we're, we're finally just thanks to Rob prodding and probing and, and Will's just like gung honus and everything like we're, we're, we're doing it and we're just in it now. Now, now we're committed to it. It's happening. This is going down. We're doing the historical podcast. We're going to, walk you guys through all sorts of different things. We may have different like themes of like what we're covering, but right now uh, we're, we're kind of locked into, we're going to talk about professional wrestling, what it is, what it means, where it came from, how it happened and uh, walk you through step-by-step step, in multiple parts, by the way, not just all in one episode, but walk you through its beginnings to where we are to kind of give you an overview, especially, you know, cause a lot of you guys are historical nuts. You're going to know, you're going to know a lot of this stuff. Maybe you'll have fun hearing us talk about it. And then some people, we're just trying to eliminate the gatekeepers in professional wrestling and try to help establish it. Like, you know, if you're new to professional wrestling, maybe you don't know anything about it. Well, here you go. Here's an easy way to jump in and you can find all about anything you want to know about professional wrestling. That's what we want to do. We hope to just like build that up and then eventually deep dives on your favorite wrestlers. Take suggestions from you guys. Even if it's like uh, specific uh like certain types of matches or 
certain rules of wrestling, that sort of thing. I mean, that nothing's off limits as, as far as what we could cover. We just want to like really give in-depth analysis into what our favorite sport, all of the details about it. And I think, I think we're, we're off to a good start already in the first episode. We've already gotten the books. It'll be out this week. Uh, Rob takes us to uh, all kinds of in-depth detail about uh, the history of professional wrestling. And so it's, it's going to be a lot of fun. I think you guys are going to dig it. And we love these live chats with you guys. I mean, these are by far one of my favorite things to do in the world. Will was super excited jumping on here today, talking about how we just haven't gone live in a while and we're still going to do it. And it could happen randomly. You know, we just talked about all these established things, but Rob and I were on last Tuesday, just chatting it up just because we were already like, let's work on this one thing. And then we decided that ah, screw it. Let's go live. And so we did. And so we were here. We hung out with a bunch of you. So that was that was a lot of fun. So you never know when that stuff's going to happen. We'll keep the YouTube channel going. Uh, I think we're at a point where like the YouTube channel is probably easier to keep going than the audio feed. And so we really want to give something back to our podcast listeners. Uh, we know you guys are out there. And, and this, like, in fact, like I'll probably try to chop this part off that we're in right now uh, after the show's over to try to give something back to the podcast audience because everybody can't be here live. And, and while we enjoy that community, we have to keep in mind that there are people out there that have to show up later and they want to be a part of the community too. So we want to make sure uh, we've got stuff accessible to everyone. You mean nobody wants to listen to us tomorrow react to NXT TakeOver? I'm going to guess that they Just probably like Riding in their car. Oh, oh, oh. pause it, Rob. Oh. Oh, oh no. 10 minutes of silence as we just watch a match. <laughs> you guys can not see this, but it was cool. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Well, I guess so we welcome, by the way, to this. It's, uh, hey, it's, it's, this is Will Martin. This is Gary Horde. This is Dr. Stinson. We're here live. If, if, if I do stick to my guns and turn this into an audio portion for the show, uh, we appreciate you being here. We're going to talk. Uh, this is just the after show. We just did a live watch for NXT Vengeance Day. And uh, we hope someday you can join us for these live watches we do. But we're also, uh, we're just here now hanging out because the show ended early as hell. And we're used to live streaming. And uh, yes. now we're here. And uh, <laughs> then, uh, so yeah, I just we're going to talk about anything you guys want to with the show. Uh, we can do a quick brief run through and get some thoughts. We'll talk about wrestling news, whatever's on your minds. Brian Rose is here in the house. You've got Front Row, Willie Bowen, Ryan Murphy. Uh, you got everybody. Everybody that matters is here right now in the live chat too, so they're going to be throwing topics our way. You never know what's going to come up. We want to thank everybody on the podcast for listening. There are so many of you, and so many of you, we probably have no idea who you are, and we are grateful for every single one of you. You make this worth it, so thank you very, very much. Uh, how you doing, Will? Did you have something else to say? You look like intense. You have intense eyes right now. That's just how I look, bro. Okay. All right. Well, this is a good start. Rob, how you feeling? Any less drunk than when you started the show? <laughs> That's a fair question. <laughs> well, considering he can't Honestly, unmute, he's not, like, he's... I'm going to guess, though, <laughs> like he's, he's still drunk. So uh, we got Dr. Rob here. <laughs> and, uh, I don't think he even knows. I don't think he even knows he's muted. <laughs> <laughs> he's just he's going off. Yeah. He's here, audio listeners. We promise. I'm using this. This, uh, you know, I'm a Mac guy. I'm using this Dell, and I'm I'm having a hard time, like, with my functionality here. But yeah, 
<laughs> long have I been muted for? I'm like, I mean, I've since the start of this technical last part of the show, <laughs> we can just see you get wild over there. You were just like ramping up, but they're like, I don't know what he's saying. He's oh just, man, y'all tripping. And usually that's me, so this is this is a positive. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I'll, I'll take. I it. Uh, I liked it better when I wasn't when I didn't have like editorial access. <laughs> Too much <laughs> when you were just a guest. When I was just a guest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I gave Rob access to that. Now he uses he uses all of his power to put things like <laughs> Sazerac <laughs> at the bottom of the screen. <laughs> I would not <laughs> go like a, go like and follow my wife. <laughs> oh God. Uh, all right, guys, well, we're coming right off of NXT TakeOver. So let's talk about that for a minute. Some people might be joining us on Twitter or or YouTube or wherever in, in the audio portion of it. Let's just give a quick brief recap of this one. Uh, we don't have to go like too in-depth. Uh, Shotzi Blackheart and Ember Moon took on Raquel Gonzalez and Dakota Kai in the very first match for the Women's Dusty Rose Tag Team Classic Final Great back and forth match, hard hitting, and uh, ended up with uh, Blackheart went up uh, on the top, I think, and, and Gonzalez threw her off, and Gonzalez splashed Kai onto Blackheart, then laid out Blackheart with her finisher, which was like a big like one arm power slam thing. Uh, she covered her, Kai got on top of her, and it was a it was good for the win. One, two, three. Raquel Gonzalez and Dakota Kai win the first ever women's. Uh, Dusty Rose Tag Team Classic. Uh, Gonzalez and Kai celebrated with Pyro at the top of the ramp near the uh, Dusty Cup. William Regal clapped politely, came out and celebrated with them. Uh, this, by the way, I'm reading some of this from uh, Kelly Wells over at PW Torch, reading his recap here. Uh, he, he, his analysis was fast-paced, but with psychology throughout as the faces continue to try to find new ways to finish Gonzalez, who continues to be very protected as a monster. The heat segment on Kai early on was the opposite of normal tag wrestling, but with Gonzalez being the huge unbeatable threat, I get it. Very good opener. Uh, Will, how'd you feel about this one? We were together watching this one live, but uh, overall, what uh, what did you think? I liked it. I thought it was a great tag match. I think the right outcome happened. Um, I'm excited to see you know where this goes and uh i think the ladies get a um a, a women's tag team title match anytime in the future or sometime in the future so it'll be cool to see them i don't know if that'll happen on nxt or on a main roster show or what that's going to look like um but that's a cool stipulation added to this tournament um and it was just really cool to see the first ever you know women's dusty classic tag team um, crowned. I think the future looks bright for both uh, female competitors and tag teams in general in NXT. So this was a really exciting night for a tag team uh, fan like myself. Um, and we'll get to a lot of that later, but I thought this was a, a fantastic way to start the show off and get things rolling. I'm 100% with you, man. I know Rob got to join us late, so he hasn't had a chance to see that one. So I'm not trying to just uh, obviously just ignore him rob what'd you think man uh yeah man. If, if it is as will said then it's cool <laughs> but that's not always the case <laughs> everything's always as i say 
<laughs> it was a good match, man. It was hard hitting. It was way more hard hitting than I expected uh, out of these ladies. I, I mean, not to take anything away from them. It was, it was just, a, it was a really solid opening match. And, uh, and I honestly felt like, I mean, as we discussed during the thing, I think the right people won. Uh, Gonzalez and Kai could use the win more than Ember Moon and Shotzi Blackheart. Shotzi and Ember, I feel like, are already established. And uh, Raquel Gonzalez, like the uh, review we just read, uh, they're trying to establish her as a monster. And uh, she looked like one here. Uh, she looks like a big, unbeatable person. And then uh, and then Dakota Kai, I feel like it has a lot of potential, and she just needed a good win. And this is uh, something to put in her belt there, that she she's the first ever women's tag team Dusty Rhodes Classic uh, winner. Yeah. Uh, next matchup we got was uh, Kashida versus Johnny Gagardo. Kashida versus Johnny Gagardo. Uh, Johnny Gargle. <laughs> uh, Kashida versus Johnny Gargano for the NXT North American Championship. Uh, this was good. Uh, the uh, Kashida was introduced first, and the way hyped themselves up backstage as they walked through. Uh, I missed this, Will, but apparently Dexter Loomis did appear behind Austin Theory. Uh, so I just yeah. uh, completely missed that. And, I totally uh, missed that, too. Yeah, when they got up on the ramp, uh, it was just Johnny Gargano and uh, the ladies, and uh, they couldn't figure out where uh, Austin Theory went to, and so he sent the ladies back to find out. Anyway, so Kushida and Johnny Gargano, just a quick review of this one. It was a back-and-forth match. I thought this was fantastic, just a, just, a, just a technical wrestling spectacle. These two just uh, all over the place. Uh, not, not like high flying, but just like as far as just like chain wrestling and just moves back and forth. Kushida just like working that arm and uh, just would not let go of Johnny Gargano's arm. And uh, it was just uh, it was fun to see. But uh, the uh, as far as this review goes, it says the uh, Kushida finally went for the arm at one point. They rolled outside. Yeah, so Kushida had him in an arm bar and like Johnny Gargano like caught the ropes, but Kushida, like, Johnny, like, rolled out of the ring, and Kushida just would not stay off his arm. Like, he just kept hanging onto his arm, and uh, Johnny Gargano, like, pulled him out of the ring with him, and uh, finally, Gargano drove Kushida into the barricade a couple of times, and it broke the lock. Uh, Gargano started crawling up the ramp, but Kushida was at the top of the ramp. You didn't see him get there, but he was just at the top of the ramp, and he ran out from nowhere and kicked Gargano's leg. Back inside, Kushida pulled him in and worked an arm bar, but Gargano broke it up by tying Kushida's legs in the ropes, and uh, Gargano hit one final beat from inside to the ramp outside, then rolled Kushida into the ring. Slowly, Gargano got up and stalked Kushida. He hit the one final beat again, which is like a fantastic-looking DDT if you're not familiar with mm -hmm. the one final beat. Um Hit him with that and uh, covered him for the one, two, three. According to Kelly Wells here, just to give him credit, he said, uh, he says, this is his analysis, no NXT North American Championship match in history immediately comes to mind as being better than this one. There were some real doubt here, and the two had several false finishes that were clever and didn't rely on some simply kicking out at every two 
for every few seconds. An unbelievably good wrestling match that will be hard to top for the rest of this card. Uh, so that was Kelly Wells' analysis. I tend to agree with that. I mean, it was a it was a fantastic match. It was just a lot of fun. I was really really into this one. How'd you feel, Will? Yeah, I mean that's that's a pretty uh, astute assessment. Even though, in my opinion, it was topped later in the night, but um, it was. Uh, well, he's probably riding this live, so maybe maybe we'll see. <laughs> yeah, where Kelly Wells yeah. goes. So yeah, to be fair, um, but no, I mean that that was a great summary. I mean it was a lot of back and forth, and I feel like there were several matches going on. There was, you know, obviously Kushida, you know. And Johnny Gargano, there was also Kushida and Johnny Gargano's arm that appeared to also be in a separate match. Uh, <laughs> Johnny Gargano and Kushida's neck, which were in a third match. This was just, I mean, it had everything that a great, you know, solid technical pro ma- wrestling match has. And that is working body parts, telling a story. Uh, the false finishes were incredibly believable, which NXT always does really well. But in this match in particular, um, I bit on almost every one of them because it was just that that good. Um, and these guys were all over the place, and it was believable. It was brutal. Um, and you know, I, I was to, uh, you know, if I'm honest, I was disappointed in the finish. We talked a lot uh, as we were watching about you know how we really felt like Kushida really needed to win this match. Um, my hope is that he doesn't just fade into obscurity now um, that they, I don't know if they can continue to, to build this feud um, and run it back. I would be fine with that. But um, yeah, I mean, I, you know, it, it's hard to be disappointed with a finish when you got a match like that, you know? So that that's kind of my two cents on it. I, I would love to see the finish a little bit different, but Man, after getting to witness that match, it's hard to complain. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I mean, it. I, I too thought Kashina really um, showed how how outstanding he is as a professional wrestler. So I would have loved to have seen him being able to take this one. But I, I have to believe that whoever's running NXT right now has got to see how good he was and and stays on top of it. I will say this for the match. Um. And, and, and I'll try to use this sparingly. This is a match that if you did not see it, is worth your time to go out of your way and see this match. Yes. That it's, it's, it's worth it for you to go back and find it and watch it. I thought Johnny Gargano versus Kushida was very, very good. All right. And uh, so let's move on. The next matchup was MSK, Nash Carter and Wesley versus the Grizzled Young Veterans, Zach Gibson and James Drake. Men's Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic Final. And this match, I, I mean, uh, dude, I, I don't know. It, it was just another match that just it was a completely different type of match, but still outstanding. And um, I can't even tell you all the spots. It's not even worth even trying to like go through no. everything that happened in this match. There was just constant action in this one. I could not believe Will and I thought it was winding down like about 12 minutes before it actually wound down. And uh, we just couldn't believe it. And uh, uh, the, the ending of uh, Kelly Wells review here just says Grizzly Young Vets stalk Nash Carter and Gibson tagged in. They wanted a ticket to mayhem, but Carter fought off well or as well as he could. They hit a different tag finisher for another believable near fall. Gibson 
slapped the kneeling Carter and tagged Drake. They set up a ticket to Mayhem yet again, but Lee got involved and cleared them out. They isolated Drake and hit their MSK finisher for the three count. Lee immediately broke down with some real emotion. Winners, MSK in 18 minutes, 26 seconds. That's how long this match goes. MSK posts at the top of the cup or top of the ramp with the cup. Well says here, this is yet another match tonight that comes off as the best case scenario as all four men repeatedly delivered at every single turn. And rather than be a simple spot fest, there were some long heat segments and old school tag spots. Well, Grizzled Young Vets, again, are the bridesmaids of the tournament and is, as MSK position themselves as the next major challengers for the tag team championships with their momentum. I'm pretty sure I'd bet on them to win in their first attempt. Um, yeah, it was uh, MSK felt like they were the right ones uh, to me. It just felt like if you're going to push them this far, might as well just go all the way with them as the new team coming in. But uh well, I mean, maybe maybe you'll do the thing I said I was going to be like lax on last time. <laughs> Go watch this match. Yes, you yeah. know I'll say that. Yeah, um, this match was good, man. <laughs> it's it's so hard to to uh, provide any kind of summary because this match was all over the place um, in terms of of like energy and spots and things like that. Now, um, I I want to I want to be clear like I don't want to be misleading here because in this day and age with with AEW and things like that when you talk about a spot fest it can have a certain connotation that might be negative if you're a fan of traditional pro wrestling this match was like a spot fest if the people also were really good pro wrestlers <laughs> like not just high flyers um, this match had everything I mean. It, it they were on the ground a lot they were in the air a lot i mean it was your classic like very diverse in in nature and skill set match and i mean gary joked about it earlier but we did like several times we were like all right we're winding down to the finish here like somebody's they're about and they would go through some some moves and they would change momentum a hot tag here and there and then they would just ramp back up again and we'd be like man like it, it was just nonstop, you know, uh, action. I mean, it was nonstop thrill well, ride. Yeah, I mean, and and it, it was just like athletic as all hell. But, I mean, like you said, if these guys were good pro wrestling, I mean, there was an, an intensity between these two teams that, I mean, I feel like, you know, I don't want to, again, I don't want to overuse things, but I feel like I haven't seen it as much like or not as out of everybody you know like it's not a common thing at least um that these guys i mean there were points towards the end of that match where they were like screaming at each other like yeah. get up get up look me in the face like you, yeah, you know, and, 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 they're that's, just like, and that's and that's something that's lacking in in like these this high flying you know flippy dippy is or whatever rob called it earlier ziggy zaggy uh, wing, type dings, of wing dings and ding dongs. Wing dings. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> wing dings and ding dongs. Uh, something that's missing is that 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 layer of brutality, almost, and that hate. Like, y you know, it's easy to believe that these guys are just trying to go out there and get spots in when they're lacking in that area. This match did not lack in that. This match, it was obvious that these two teams hate each other's guts, and were doing everything they could in the air and on the mat and on the floor and with their voices to 
to, you know, beat down the other team. And it just takes on, you know, when a guy does a, you know, a, a, a flip off the top rope onto the floor on some guys, it, it's a, it's in a different light when you don't feel like he's in there just to get a spot in. He's like trying to hurt these guys. You know what I mean? And that's one of the elements that's missing with that type of wrestling that I feel like this match had. So if you're kind of on the fence about it, I would check that match out for sure. And, you know, just examine it from, from your perspective. But from my perspective, as a lover of tag team wrestling, uh, a lover of just all forms of wrestling, I feel like this match just had it all. It really did. It, it almost felt like uh, – I'm trying to think of teams to compare it to, but it was even almost almost what you'd expect out of, like, um, FTR versus the Young Bucks, I would say. Like, just that kind if, of if – you combined, If you combined them into one team, if you just if yeah. you medically engineered teams that were the half the Young Bucks and half FTR, like, that's what this match felt like. Yeah, because there was this side of the grizzled young vets and the, these guys like looking at each other that like they looked at each other like you are fake. You are. Yeah, you know, there was the one point where what's them Gibson from the grizzled young vets is like slapping the dude's face and like getting him up. It's like you are out of your league. You don't belong here. And, like just trying to tell him that he's he's not he's not good enough to be there. And uh, it's just. I don't know. When we were watching it. I was just like, how can he say that? Because you guys have been fine for like 15 minutes and it's been amazing. We're like 15 minutes into this and it's been pretty even. <laughs> anyway, this is a good match. But yeah, uh, the uh, MSK goes over on this one. So uh, next up, you get uh, you get a Martin Luther King uh, quote thing. I think it's just a Black History Month thing. Uh, the uh, Josiah Williams uh, whoever that is, I'm not familiar, so sorry. Uh, apparently wrote a, a rap track for Cameron Grimes, um, and Cameron Grimes had his whole uh, little laying in money. He's he's rich off GameStop stock, uh, so congrats to him. Oni Lorcan and Danny Burch hyped up Pete Dudd. Uh, Finn Balor set alone, taped up his own wrists. And then we got a video package for the Women's Championship. Io Shirai versus Tony Storm versus Mercedes Martinez. Rob joined us right before this one, so we finally get Rob back in this. A triple threat match for the NXT Women's Championship. Uh, uh, this one was this one was all over the place, too. Pretty good match. Uh, the uh, let's see, let's see, we're all picking up in Kelly Wells' review here. Martinez went out, Shirai went after Martinez slammed Shirai against the plexiglass and Storm then laid out Martinez. Storm started taking stuff off the desk to set up a move, but amusingly, the desk collapsed prematurely. <laughs> Storm just looked at it, annoyed. Storm tried to set up a Storm Zero on the laid out table on Martinez, but she blocked. The heels fall on their feet, but Shirai had climbed far up on the steel structure and hit a crossbody on both. All three laid down on the ground outside the ring. I will say these things for this review. Uh, if you were watching, it was funny when the table fell apart. That was weird. The table just randomly fell. And uh, Io Shirai did dive off onto both ladies, but she did not hit both ladies. She dove right over uh, Martina's head and hit Tony Storm. So I was very worried about Tony Storm for a moment. Uh, 
Martinez got to her feet first, naturally, and she threw Shirai into the steel steps. She slammed Storm's face into the apron, then tossed her in the ring and hit a running knee to Storm's jaw. Morty's to the jaw. Martinez hit a fisherman buster on Storm for a long two. Martinez set something up, but Storm blocked and hit Storm zero. Martinez kicked out. Storm went up to the corner and hit a diving headbutt to Martinez's stomach, but Shirai flew in out of nowhere with her lightning-quick moonsault and pinned Martinez, and the winner was Ira Shirai. 12 minutes, 13 seconds. Kelly Wells says, by a long shot, the shortest match of the night. Shirai was probably involved the least of those in the match, which makes sense if the bookers want to continue focusing on these two heels and possibly prepare one or both for solo feuds with Shirai. It was an okay spot fest. That's what he said about the women's match here. How did you guys feel? Rob, since we haven't heard much from you, I'll throw to you. <clears throat> I, I was uh, <clears throat> expecting t uh, Tony Storm uh, to win this. Tony Storm is one of my favorites in the game. Uh, of course, I, I think we all said uh, when we were looking at it that I, we would not have been surprised at any outcome because you you got Mercedes Martinez, who I'm afraid a lot of people are sleeping on right now. I think she's has had, she's got a lot of momentum and uh, just very aggressive, very physical. Uh, but gosh, man, I mean, pound for pound, when I think about who the greatest wrestlers in the world are right now, pound for pound, who the hottest are, you think of like La Rosa Negra out of Mission Pro. You think of uh, Kenny Omega. Obviously, you think of the champ, Nick Aldis. And then you've got to think of uh, Io Shirai, man. I mean, she can she be beat? She, she won this. I was commenting on how petite a woman she is. She's very tiny, but she's ripped, man. Her legs are just like... Her 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 ring gear is just busting at the seams, man. And she was all over the place and seemed to be impervious to everything, even um, even when she was going against the parent allies between Mercedes Martinez and Tony uh, Tony Storm. I don't, man. We may be talking about uh, Io Shirai holding that belt for six, seven, eight hundred days, man. I mean, she she looks. It's going to take a lot of woman to beat her, man. I'm telling you. Yeah, and I mean, this was one of those matches we talked about it that, it, I mean, anybody could have won and I would have been like, yeah, you know, like a lot of times in triple threats, there's always like one person that you just know from the get go, like they're in there as a decoy or they're in there to take a pin and cause a controversy or something like that. This match, it did not feel that way. Like we were talking about it during the entrances and it was like, it, this could go any way, you know, and it, it's great. Um, as as Io Shirai is, I mean, it's still like every competitor in this match was believable. You're right about Mercedes Martinez. I mean, that's 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 what makes a brilliant and entertaining triple threat match. And I know, Rob, you're not a big fan of triple threat matches in general, but when they're done like this, I feel like there's a uh, a layer of authenticity and 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 that prize fight layer that we always talk about, where it's like. These three ladies all want it. They all really deserve it. And it's just a matter of who can make it happen. And Io Shirai just happened to be the one that, that came out on top again. And I think she's going to continue to come out. When that title ever does come off of her, I mean, it will inevitably. But I think it's going to be a really big deal. And I think it's going to be, you know, akin to things in the past, like with Asuka and and people like that in NXT uh, where those title reigns were very meaningful and very robust in terms of challengers and people that, uh, 
you know, showed up along the way in those matches. And I think we're we're in the midst of of that same kind of title reign right now with EO. Yeah, yeah. I, I think you're right. I mean, he was destined for a legendary title run, I, I think. And so, um, yeah, it was good to see her get another win here. Um, the last match on the card was Finn Balor versus Pete Dunn. Well, I, I guess I should say up front. I mean, this is also counting as news. Um, earlier today, L.A. Knight, formerly known as Eli Drake, signed a contract with NXT. This is a pretty weird signing, according to Kelly Wells, as Drake is an... <laughs> okay, so let's see. This is Kelly Wells' words, not mine. Earlier today, L.A. Knight, formerly known as Eli Drake, signed a contract with NXT. This is a weird signing as Drake is an okay wrestler, a little generic, but he's a pretty fiery talker, so he could be a boon to the mid-card to upper mid-card. Unless he makes some tweaks to his acts, a lot of people will notice how much he emulates The Rock in promos. NWA loses yet another of their highest-profile guys, as I question whether Billy Corgan really thinks the company is coming back. Wow, thanks, Kelly Wells. <laughs> I won't stoke the fire. <laughs> I know. So uh, there you go. That's on PW Torch. So uh, I'm not. I'm not going to go back and give my uh, my my opinion again. But yeah, Billy, Billy Corgan knows. Nick Aldis knows. True NWA fans know that it's coming back. It's going to have a different roster. Obviously, they did it once. They'll do it again. So just don't worry about it. Let's stick to the subject. Yeah. All right. So, uh, Ben Balor took on Pete Dunn. Um, we'll skip to the end here. This was a very psychological match. I mean, basically, is the, the story you need to know. I mean, a lot of groundwork. I mean, if you wanted to see, like, a grappling match, I would say Rob can probably uh, dispute this or uh, – confirm it but just like a very old school match and as far as just like the mat wrestling that took place here this was like an old school style match and uh anyway the uh wrap up from the review here just says uh Dunn stopped Balor's hands twice in the middle of the ring and went for a powerbomb. Balor rolled through and hit a DDT. Enziguri by Dunn, then won by Balor. This makes it sound more exciting than it was by the way and I don't mean that in like a negative way I mean these guys were wrestling they, they were grappling it was catch as catch can through the whole match. And then towards the very end, they did start amping up a pretty good bit. Uh, Dunn went for a bitter end. Balor turned it into his own slam for a two count. Dunn held Balor's hands and snapped the fingers, but Balor hit a quick double stop on Dunn. Balor accidentally ripped out Dunn's mouth guard, then hit a double drop kick, and then the coup de gras. He hit the 1916 to finish him off. Winner, Finn Balor. Routades at 25 minutes, 10 seconds on this match. Um, the uh, I guess I'll I'll just go to the match part first for you guys. Uh, where, where where Rob did did you feel like it was accurate? It was like an old school match, and then it yes, it very much. A lot of chain wrestling, definitely uh, catch as catch can style, very gra uh, ground oriented, not going outside the ring, very technical. Um. I mean, even like the the you know the reference to the mouthpiece, man. You know, I saw when I was at Mission Pro uh, uh, the other night last Saturday, uh, Thunder Rosa wore a mouthpiece into the cage, and you don't see a lot of that. You know, I mean, when when people feel like they're in serious, they're in high cotton, 
they're putting a mouthpiece in. And uh, I, I thought it was very pointed that, you know, he, he pointed that he pulled that out accidentally, not intentionally or anything, but uh, this was probably, I mean, you got a lot of high flying antics and this and that. And a lot of people are, are, are about that to me. I really like this match. I mean, this was a, a sound match. This was a match that harkens back to the days of old when you're watching George Hackenschmidt and Frank Gotch go for four hours and, and they're laying on the mat the whole time. You know, obviously we don't have that kind of attention span and they don't have that kind of, uh, they don't have that kind of, uh, I guess, television contract to sustain a four hour pay-per-view just for one match. But it was, it was a classic match. I mean, I mean, it's not, the sport has changed a lot. Um, and it's not like we're saying this is identical, but this is a very, very old school ground mat match. And I liked it. It, it for the couple of, and I'm not going to lie. I didn't see the other ones before this. I'm going to have to go back and watch, but of what I saw, it's probably my favorite match. Yeah, it was a phenomenal match. I mean, it was just definitely a change of pace. Um, Cause we had seen a lot of, uh, of high energy, um, kind of two high energy matches back to back. If you want to talk about that tag match and then um, the, the female triple threat match. Um, so it was just a, a change of pace, but once they really got into it and it got going, you know, for, for those of us who are fans of, of, of pro wrestling, like real pro wrestling, uh, it definitely had that prize fight feel to it. Cause you knew these guys were, uh, willing to put in the work and it was, it was grueling. It was one of those where you watch them and you'd like get tired watching them because you just know how much energy they're spending, holding each other down, going back and forth with these different holds. And, um, you know, it, it was another match that could have gone either way, to be honest. I, I think in the back of our minds, we all kind of knew that Finn Balor was going to win. Um, and obviously the, the, the big story is, is, what happened afterwards, um, which we'll talk about, I'm sure. But uh, the match itself was was great. And I just love Pete Dunne. I love his persona. I love uh, just his his uh, I can't even think of the right word, but just that gruesomeness that he has just naturally um, and seeing him and Finn Balor. It's like watching two guys that they I mean, these these two guys wrestle with the same ease that I walk around my house with, you know what I mean? Like, it, like they do it with such like grace and such, um, like they're, they're sure of their moves. They're very, um, that they just know what they're doing. They look very comfortable in professional wrestling. And when you watch two guys like that, sometimes you forget that it takes like incredible amounts of training to get to that point. Like the, these aren't just like regular guys rolling around on a barroom floor. You know what I mean? That, like these are highly trained, highly skilled professional wrestlers, and that really came through in this match. Yeah, one hundred percent. I gotta 100%. know when you, when you you talk about walking around your house with these. Do you walk around your house like? Are you typically just in underwear or like on an? Yeah, on a- I usually I, well, I usually have on briefs and a leather jacket, so kind of Finn Balor-ish. Yeah, got you, got you. Uh, so according to the report, the, uh, as Finn did his finger guns on the ramp, Lorcan and Birch stormed in from behind and attacked all three attacked Balor in the ring. And, uh, the referee tried to break it up and got bumped. The three continued to stomp Balor until undisputed eras music played, bringing in Adam Cole, Roderick Strong and Kyle O'Reilly for the save. 
O'Reilly talked to Balor as the other two jawed with the guys outside. O'Reilly helped Balor to his feet, and the two held a long handshake. The four were about to hit poses. Now, I will say one thing Kelly seems to miss here is, too, there was some weirdness. I don't know if you guys noticed it, too, but, like, you could see, like, Roderick and Cole, like, kind of arguing back and forth as O'Reilly, like, picked Finn up. Like, they were like, what is he doing? Like, what, what, you know, like, uh, you know, that kind of discussion. O'Reilly helped Fowler to his feet, and the two held a long handshake. The four were about to hit Moses, but Cole super kicks Fowler. Roddy and Kyle argued with Cole, who then super kicked Kyle as well. Strong, stuck in the middle, didn't walk out with Cole, but didn't help O'Reilly and Fowler either. The camera focused on Strong's internal struggle as the show went off the air. According to Kelly Wells, this was one of, he says, this one was deeply psychological, and I loved every second of this match as a result. NXT's weekly show is at such a feverish pace right now. It's nice to see wrestlers get the time and the green light to have their best possible match. This one is probably slightly hurt by the fact that nobody picked Pete Dunne to win, as he seems so transitional for Balor. What is what it was missing in that manner, it gained in the post-match angle, which will be the enduring moment from a very good but seemingly transitional show. Um, he called it later on, and just like in his final thoughts, an incredible night of wrestling. Uh, he said like a lot of the picks were the most likely picks. Uh, just the action was off the charts, he says, but rather than belabor the point about the excellent action, I'll focus on the angle much has been said about Adam Cole's potential as a babyface centerpiece of NXT, but instead, it looks like he'll be the top of the food chain as a heel once again. This was not just a big moment in and of itself, but also sets up a lot of great questions for TV. Where does Roderick Strong go? What about Bobby Fish when he returns? Will the Undisputed Error name continue to be relevant? Kyle O'Reilly, Ben Balor, like lots of... Uh, Places to go, I guess, is what he's trying to say there in his wrap-up for the show. Overall, he thought it was good. He thought it felt like it just furthered a lot of storylines. But I guess really with NXT, I mean, that's kind of what you want to do. Uh, you, you still want to keep something going. I didn't feel gypped uh, myself on any of the, the matchups. But the, the Cole super kick caught me off guard. How about you, Will? Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of in the back of my mind have been hoping, as he mentioned in the article, for an Adam Cole babyface run, um, that seems all but smashed at this point. Uh, you know, maybe a little bit down the line, but yeah, I mean, I, I love moments like this. So you guys know I'm a storytelling guy, right? I mean, there was so much told with zero words. Nobody held a mic during this whole segment. This was all told with action which is so great. And you can infer so much from everything that happened. And yeah, you're, you got a lot of questions. I mean, it's a tale as old as time in, in wrestling. The guy caught in the middle with Roderick Strong, like, you know, obviously there's an internal struggle. He didn't really agree necessarily with, with O'Reilly helping up Balor, uh, but he also didn't agree with, with Cole super kicking him. So he's kind of like, so it's going to be interesting to see that play out on TV over the next few weeks, like how he, you know, what kind of decision he makes. And then also what does O'Reilly do? Is he out or is that going to be something that they kind of not gloss over, but they try to sugarcoat it and say, Hey, I was caught up in the moment. Does he still, you know? So, I mean, there's a lot, a lot to unpack here. 
Um, and it was, for me at least, totally unexpected. I was not expecting to see the Undisputed Era at the end of this show. I thought they were taking the night off. And uh, so that was really cool. And it was just a, a, a really great storytelling moment with some post-match action um, that I thought was executed flawlessly. Man, a lot of disputes right now in the Undisputed Era. I didn't – I. We were talking about this. I mean, we were we were joking during the uh, just kind of kidding amongst ourselves when when Finn Balor was helped up and you know seemingly offered a, a spot, you know, or or there there at least uh, appeared to be a, a kinship or an alliance between Undisputed Era and Balor. And Will and I were joking about you know it's not likely for someone to get hit after a handshake. That never happens. I thought it was going to be Finn Balor. That I thought Finn Balor would do it, and you know, and then you know, reject the offer and then come out swinging. I did not expect to see the shot heard around the world that we saw tonight. So I was surprised. I like being surprised. And therefore, whatever the implications mean, you know, two, three, four months down the road tonight, I thought it was pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I mean, uh, overall, I mean, I thought it was a good show. Happy with everything is the way it turned out. Uh, anything else you guys wanted to add for NXT Vengeance Day on this Valentine's Day? No, it's a great show overall. I agree with that. I mean, I said it when we first started watching, but I've never walked away from a takeover going, eh. Like, I always walk away, like, with a renewed kind of interest. Now, am I going to watch it weekly? I might try. Uh, I really, really think they got to get their weekly shows to to obviously not the same caliber. You're not gonna have a pay per view every week, but you got you gotta like at least get it halfway there to where uh, some of these stories are pulling me in the same way they do on Takeover. Um, and if they can, you know, I'll probably be a weekly watcher of NXT. Um, but you know, we talk about it all the time. There's a lot of wrestling every week, and you gotta budget your time um but yeah for, for tonight's show it was it was amazing not so fast will people were waiting for that rub yeah now I, i'm with front row man i think nxt is already there brother their weekly shows are already there i mean we saw that what's going on been going on with like uh, thatcher and tamasho champa that whole drama that and of course anything that uh that uh, Carrying Cross and Scarlet Bordeaux touch. That's all. They, they got some of the most compelling stuff going on right now in NXT. It's the only WWE product that I watch, and to me, it's comparable to anything out there right now. And this show, and I'm, and now I'm with you, Will. On this, you're right. NXT Takeover always deli- delivers. Always. I've not been disappointed. I can't remember being disappointed in a Takeover since since, since they started having. So everyone that I've watched, I've enjoyed. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, that's going to wrap it up for the NXT takeover portion of the show, I guess, unless you guys in the chat bring up anything. As always, we're going to include you in this next little bit that we've got going here, and we'll talk about whatever's on your mind. But we can also jump into some news. And I guess, Will, I know you've talked at length, um, so I I suppose I'll throw to Rob first on this one. Uh, One of the big news items from tonight that I think is going to top – our particular group of people's uh, lists is going to be the signing of Eli Drake to the uh, WWE NXT roster. And we would be remiss if we didn't do this also for the audio portion of the show to talk about Eli Drake slash 
now. L. A. Knight. Yeah, that guy. <laughs> he is. Uh, he is over on NXT now. Is this the death knell for the NWA? <laughs> Stop. Stop. All right. So I can't believe you even said that with a straight face. Yeah. Let, let's break this down. Okay. <laughs> hey, listen. I'm just. I'm just. I'm just trying to deliver what the things. What was the quote that you were saying or you were reading earlier about him being a, a more or less common, basic talent? Can you read that again? Uh, well, do you have it? I'm sorry, man. I don't make you. Do, I don't make. I don't want to make you work too hard, there, Gary. Well, it was in the review. I mean, it basically, it was just said it was kind of a weird signing. He just said, just thought the guy was kind of generic, uh, and yeah. then he said something about like his promos were fire, but people are going to start noticing they're a little like the rocks or something, and. Uh, he God does it, and then he thinks that uh, you know he wonders if Billy Corgan is just not is kidding himself that the NWA is dead or something like that. Now who wrote that? That was that was Kelly Wells from the PW Torch. Okay, yeah. yeah. No disrespect to Kelly Wells. First of all, he is not a generic talent. He's not a carbon copy of The Rock. I've been one of the most critical persons of Eli Drake in there. He's a jerk, but he's my jerk. All right. And he is a great talker. He is a great worker. He is one of the people that we have said for months that if there's someone on the horizon that can dethrone Nick Aldis, it would be him. I'm not saying it would happen, but he would be the one. You know what I mean? This guy, NXT, just landed a superstar, man. Eli Drake is going to do great things. And I have no qualms about uh, any person going and doing good for themselves and getting paid and taking that next step to, to get that. The only, my only qualm here. Is I don't I wish they wouldn't change his name. Eli Drake is an established talent. He's won the Impact World's Championship, if you want to call it a world's title, but he's been at the top of a major promotion. Um, he's a, a world's excuse me, he's the world's tag team champion. There's no you don't take a guy like Eli Drake and go in and change his name as like as though like <coughs> WWF has been doing this forever, man. You know, they changed Sid Justice to Sid or Sid Vicious to Sid Justice, Lex Luger to the Narcissist, uh, Kerry Von Eric to the Texas Tornado. I don't get why they feel the need to completely strip someone of their identity and place a new stamp on them, like LA Knights, whatever. I mean, he's Eli Drake. Good for him. I applaud him. I'm rooting for him. I hope he goes the distance and he's going to make a stamp a long time. Now, to your question, Gary, does this spell is this the death knell of the NWA? That is so silly. I, I can't even begin to like, what are you talking about? What, what kind of question is that? The death knell of the NWA? You can't stamp out. Get mad at me, you dirty bastard. I'm mad at you, bro. I'm getting <laughs> mad at whoever phrase it. That's <laughs> no, it's not the death of the NWA. The NWA, you know, you've got a, a um, you've got a, a committed audience that's devoted to the lineage of the championships that go back that are rooted before the foundations of the world, man, you got the NWA all the way back in Pancration and Greek mythology, even, and you read it the other day, Genesis one, one, you'll hear when the podcast comes out, it's right there in the garden of Eden, man. The NWA was there. You can't stamp out the NWA. It's always going to be there. And that's what a devoted hardcore old school fans like the history, the lineage, uh, that particular trophy is the important one. Um, uh, it's built around currently core talent. You know, there's going to be certain people that are contracted and others that are going to come in and come out. It's going to showcase a lot of indie talent. I mean, look at who we saw when when Power was up and running, man. We saw ODB. We saw Scott Steiner. We saw 
all these guys come in and come out, you know, by opportunity. And um, there'll be others. So there's other talent out there. And maybe Eli Drake will be back at some point. Uh, you know, but no, this is not the death of the NWA. And whoever suggests so doesn't understand the NWA. We've been preaching this for months. The NWA is going to come back sooner than later. Uh, it's not as though we're not in a global pandemic and, and you know, they don't have this billions and billions of dollars to back this rather small company in the pro wrestling family. NWA is coming back when the time is right. I believe it's going to be soon. Don't sleep on the NWA. I'm happy for Eli Drake, but no, this is not the death of this great and glorious company. All right. Well, well said. Uh, Will, did you want to add anything to that? Do you feel like this is the death of the NWA? Uh, no. And, and yeah, I mean, I'll reiterate what I said earlier be uh, careful. on the audio. <laughs> what? I said, just be careful. <laughs> okay. Uh, happy for Eli Drake, LA Knight. Uh, I think that's a good get for NXT. I think it's a smart get. Um, he's, I echo everything Rob says. He's anything but generic. Uh, he is, you know, and God forbid somebody take cues from The Rock, one of the greatest promos in pro wrestling history. Uh, so that's a bunch of, a bunch of garbage if you ask me, but, um, yeah, I mean, the, the NWA, I mean, we say this all the time, like they, and this is how I framed it earlier. Like I came into the NWA with no context about Eli Drake. Cause I was not a TNA impact fan before this. I was like laser focused on WWE. And then I expanded my horizons and got exposed to all these people through NWA. Um, and you know, People like Eli Drake, Ricky Starks, Zicky Dice, uh, Eddie Kingston, people that have since moved on. My first touch point with them was with NWA Power. So they took people that were unknown to me and got them over, right? There's tons of people out there that are unsigned right now. They can do it again. They've got an eye for talent. They know how to bring the right people in to tell the right stories. I have faith in William Patrick Corgan and our champ, Nick Aldis, and everybody at the helm of this thing. They've been playing it cautious because, yes, there was a global pandemic. Yes, they lost a key part of their staff that was producing the content, and they had to regroup. Uh, we're going to see power return. I know 100% we're going to see it return. We're going to find out exactly when in the next couple of months, I would say. And so, I mean, that's fine. Like I get from the outside looking in how that can look. And if you're looking at it through the lens of WWE, AEW, like Rob said, these companies with millions and billions of dollars to spend. Yeah. I mean, NWA is not operating right now. So these guys, I mean, Eli Drake didn't leave NWA. His contract was up actually months ago. So people see this and they see this as like some kind of angry exit. His contract ended even before his last appearance as the NWA world tag champion. So the fact that he still appeared like that shows you there's no bad blood. It's just business contracts expired. NWA is not in a place to renew contracts because they're not operating and it is what it is. So he's obviously going to move on just like the list of other people that I mentioned. So, I mean, yeah, it's going to be a regroup. It's going to be a relaunch of sorts. Uh, but, you know, I saw the question in the chat a minute ago. Well, who, well, then who legitimately can challenge Nick Aldis? How about Crimson? How about Jack Stane? How about Tim Storm? How about Joe? How, how about, you know, I mean, 
How about the Pope? How about Trevor Murdoch? Like you guys are forgetting that there's more to the NWA than Eli Drake and Ricky Starks and Zicky Dice. Like there was more depth, even with the people that are left. So and how about everybody that's in Impact and everybody that's in New Japan and every everybody that's in Ring of Honor? About, you know yeah, I mean? how, about Mike, how about Mike Bennett? How about Matt Taven? How about like you name anybody in the Ring Dirty of Honor? Daddy, what? Yeah, so I mean, like, I, I get where you're coming Although, from. Rob, there, there's a, there's a rumor. Uh, just to throw this out there, sorry, Will. Will, you finish your point, and I'll throw it at Rob. No, I mean, I was, I was pretty much done. I'm just saying, like, take the blinders off and realize that the NWA is more than just the group of people that was signed when power was going on. The whole point, and, and NWA has said it from the get go, that they are meant to be a revolving door for talent. They're not like. There's very few people they're hitching their wagon to. Nick Aldis is obviously one of them, and they should be because Nick Aldis is bringing a, a validity and a, uh, a sustainability to the organization. But outside of that, you're going to see guys filter in and out. That's the nature of the type of promotion that the NWA is trying to be. And the fact that these guys have come through and now you're seeing them on NXT and AEW is a testament to the fact that the NWA knows what they're doing. So as soon as things get back up and going, there's going to be somebody we're going to be talking about six months from now that is not even on your radar right now. Just like the people that we're talking about weren't on your radar before power. So they're going to do it again. So that's that's my take on it. I, again, if you want to if you want to toss the baby out with the bathwater and say, hey, they're dead because they lost a few guys that we're used to seeing, mm -hmm. then go for it. But you're going to be shocked and surprised and, and you're going to be back. So that's all I can say about it. I'm getting so frustrated, guys. I'm getting so frustrated with people sounding off on the death of the NWA when repeatedly, repeatedly, the champ and President William Patrick Corgan have said repeatedly, hold on, guys, it's coming. We promise you it will be here. They've told us, they've told us and told us, and all these NWA fans or alleged NWA fans who think they know they're just ready to just bank because they're so impatient. I mean, guys, it's been a year, okay? It's been a year. It's 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 a year's a long time, but in the grand scheme of things, look, you know, it's 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 we were we were just Gary and I were just there. It was I can't what January 26th or something like that. We were there. It's been yeah. just over a year. It seems like because of the way that the world has gone and the stress and all this and the pandemic, it seems like it's been longer than it has been. But it's only been a year, folks. Okay. It's coming back. It's like <laughs> let's put things in perspective. It it will be back. It will be back this year. This year, I'm betting. I, I will agree with you, Rob. I think there's all evidence. It, what drives me crazy is like that, that people would immediately say like it, it's nev never coming back when there's only evidence to support that it will and like zero evidence to support that it won't. Um, and, and people are just basing that on, I don't know, their past running of a wrestling company or something. I don't know. Yeah, uh, they, they, they see it. They're frustrated. I mean, they're, 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 they're getting, you know, they're antsy and, I don't get it. I think most people that are saying that probably don't have ill will or anything like that. They just, uh, ill will. <laughs> That's your guy. Uh, yeah. Yeah. No, no, no. I get it. People are, people are frustrated. They don't, they don't imagine how it could come back. They, they, it's a, it's a weird world that we live in where it's this like instant, uh, I don't want to be one of those people like the instant gratification people, but, but if something takes a break, like they can't imagine how it could possibly reappear Especially or, 
framing, you know, they're framing their understanding of, of pro wrestling in terms of the big corp, the big companies. And our whole theme has been, look, the, the NWA is different. It's a different kind of entity. It is, it's an entity. That's what it is. It's an entity. It's, it's uh, very organic and it's uh it's a meta promotion. You know, it's like, it transcends them all, which is why it so easily works with all these other uh, companies, you know, it's not like I was going to jump off the roof of my house if you didn't say that it was a meta promotion at some point. Yeah, it is. It's a meta promotion. It's you can't have a show without saying that. You can't, man. And we've said it on virtual morning. If someone would just listen to us, they would understand. It's coming. It's coming back. It will always be here. There, a a world without the NWA is like a night without stars, man. It's impossible. You cannot have pro wrestling and not have the NWA. I love that. We we got to remember to clip that at 3.33. I'm going to uh, write that down. Hopefully I'll, hopefully I'll just remember. 3.33. Just remember it. 3.33. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, and, and front row pointing out in the chat that uh, the whoops the la- last episode of Power, Superpower, aired only nine months ago. Be patient, Good people. Good point. So we've had enough time. If We've had pregnant. enough time to birth a new NWA baby here any minute now. So just hang if tight. Pregnant, if you got pregnant the night that Superpower aired, you would have a, a brand new infant baby. That's how yeah. that's how short of a time period it's been. And if you just if you just hang on just a teensy little bit more, you might have a brand new NWA baby. So just just hang tight. Hang tight. All right, so uh, let's move on to some other news. Um, the uh, Taya Valkyrie supposedly signed with the uh, WWE NXT. Rob, the big one that I wanted to bring to you, and this is completely unconfirmed. I don't usually do this, but I have heard it in a few different places. Just word of mouth is apparently how it's getting out because it's been unconfirmed. Is that she just, it was just funny. You brought up the dirty daddy, Chris Dickinson, and mm. there is supposedly a rumor floating that he is also signed with WWE NXT. Okay. So, uh, so what are we thinking? What's the first thing that comes to your mind? You think obviously Karrion Cross and Chris Dickinson, right? Well, yeah. I mean, that feels like a good match. Yeah. So, <laughs> boom. The, the other thing that comes to my mind as well. What's that mean for UWN prime time? And that would actually bugs me out more than the NWA. It's like, I feel like the NWA can move on for UWN. It's like, well, dang, you know, you can feel like ring of honor would loan out Mike Bennett for a little bit and we can work out this title match they're supposed to have. And, uh, but it's like, once you hit WWE, you kind of get immediately feel like, Oh, that's done. Like that's like, he's not gonna, he's not going to be in it in a UWN title match. Yeah, but that 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 would that that's what you would think. Of course, I mean we don't know. We'll see. Yeah, but anyway, we'll uh, we'll figure that would it disappoint out. me. That would be a loss. But again, I don't fault any. I don't fault anybody for going and trying to improve their situation and and to get paid. You know, you. I think anybody any any worker in the business would applaud anybody getting that call to the to the show. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so let's see. What else? What other big news can we talk about as we start to wind down here? Um, if you missed it last night on No Surrender from Impact Wrestling, 
the forbidden door was kicked even further open as it was announced that David Finley and Juice Robinson of New Japan Pro Wrestling would be coming up on Impact Wrestling next week. So New Japan invading Impact. So now they've now it's spreading. Impact, New Japan, AEW, NWA technically. Like it's just all spreading around here. So just just a little interesting tidbit of news if you missed that. Uh, all these are uh, New Japan strong people. I should point out uh, that, uh, you know, like there, there was a report going around that Okada was coming. I love this. And and we'll get to this question, Damien, I promise you, because this is this is a lot of fun for me. But I do have to say this because I tried to tackle this in the Discord today. There was a post from, uh, I forget what website today, where somebody was like, Dave Meltzer says Okada is coming. And uh, didn't mention when, but he's, he's on his way or something like that. And I looked at the article and I'm like, really? Because it's funny, I am an Observer subscriber and I, and I only, you know, I only take up from my boy Dave when it's appropriate, but... I had literally listened to the podcast they were referencing. And I have to say this all the time because people give Dave Meltzer a lot of crap. And it's usually when you trace it back to something he said, it's something that an article said he said. And so I looked, I looked this thing up and I, I'm reading it. And, and the line that Dave Meltzer gave in his podcast today was, yes, he did technically say Okada is coming. It was just that. Here's the context. He was essentially like, uh, yeah, I mean, Okada's coming. Abushi's presumably coming. Like, the the deal's on. These guys have a working relationship. Uh, Okada and Omega have wanted to work together again. Abushi and Omega want to work together again. So it's just a matter of time. They're working it out, I'm sure. Uh, presumably, because that's what those guys want. They'll be there when, I don't know. They'll, you know. He's like, it's just a, they'll, they'll be there probably. That's what you would assume. <laughs> and, uh, and that was like, that was it. That's almost a direct quote to what Dave Meltzer said. And, uh, oh, I think he added on like, due to travel restrictions right now, I would not expect anything anytime soon. <laughs> and so it, it was just like, I don't know, seeing an article saying like, Dave Meltzer says Okada's coming. I was like, I just listened to that. That was like a side note to something he was talking about. And uh, anyway, it just bothers me. Sorry, I had to get that off my chest. You feel better? I feel better. I feel good about it. Good. good. Yeah. Uh, so, no, no. See, deleted TV fallen. That's a thing. Dave, Dave didn't say that. Dave didn't say Okada's leaving New Japan. Dave didn't say, like, he was just saying, like, the door is open for discussion now. And he's like, and probably Okada will be in AEW at some point. But who knows? <laughs> anyway. All right. So uh, where, where else do you want to go? You want to talk about John Moxley is set to make his return to Bloodsport? Just had Bloodsport last night. New Bloodsport's been announced on February 20th. Bloodsport 5, John Moxley has taken on David Boy Smith Jr., and, uh, yep, that's been officially announced. Uh, he defeated Chris, Chris Dickinson in three. Uh, he wasn't at four. Davy Boy Smith Jr. was last night on four and defeated Calvin Tankman from MLW. 
So there is that. I love you guys so much. All right. What about this news? All right. My camera's freezing up again. I'm here. All right. Well, I'm just going to read you this one from WrestleZone. I don't know if you guys saw this one or not. Uh, I'll just read you the article from WrestleZone. We have a report from Slam Wrestling regarding Nick's plans for Sammy Guevara to appear on Impact Wrestling. According to the report, Guevara was slated to appear on Impact, but did not like the creative direction of the angle and made it known to executives. Chris Jericho apparently came up with the idea and pitched it to Tony Khan, who in turn got into top contact with Impact about making it happen. However, Impact was not on board with whatever the idea was. It was said that Tony then came up with a second idea, which was given the green light by Impact. Impact reportedly received a direct message from Sammy, who made it known that he did not like the creative direction of the angle. When Impact officials told Tony Khan of the news, Tony was reportedly very upset about it. Jericho reportedly even went as far as reaching out to Don Callis about banning Guevara from Impact moving forward. Jericho would eventually tell Guevara to go home and not continue traveling to Nashville. Slam Wrestling ended by saying that AEW management is concerned that Guevara's actions may have possibly hurt their relationship with Impact. Sean Ross Sapp at Fightful chimed in by saying that he could also independently confirm that an AEW wrestler which has now been ID'd as Guevara, was not happy with the creative direction, but he would not validate the story of Tony Khan and Chris Jericho being upset with the situation. He also said that he did not think the relationship between the companies would be negatively impacted. Stay tuned. So, any thoughts on that whole story? Front row, uh, let's see, I don't know what Front Row's discussing over here here but uh he says gallows quote tweeted that article and confirmed it which added fuel to the fire i don't know if you're talking about the same thing we are right now front row but no, if you are that maybe before. that was before okay i was already there when you were talking about this yeah uh that's interesting i mean i'm kind of not shocked sounds like the honeymoon might be coming to a close with the partnership i hate to be like the pessimist but i mean you know, you do have two promotions that are out for themselves, ultimately, and they're both trying to leverage this relationship to benefit themselves. And I think this kind of stuff's going to happen. I, I don't know the full story, but I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, it's it's the question of like, does Sammy have creative control or does AEW have creative control? Do they get to okay what Sammy goes and does, I don't know, you know what I mean? And so it's kind of more of a, a philosophical question than, than whatever. Cause I mean, part of me wants to be like, you know, Sammy's got the authority to say, I don't want to do this, you know, but if Tony's telling him he's got to do it, I don't know. It's just kind of a gray area. Yeah. It's a, it's, it's some booking matters. I don't really like to get in all that, but uh, yeah. I would just, you know, I mean, if I guess my, I would come down where like, He's got to do what AEW says. <laughs> you know what I mean? If AEW says it, he's got to tell the line. If there's a difference between AEW and Impact, then then that's a that's a promotional difficulty that's has to be ironed out between Tony Khan and whoever else. But Sammy Guevara's obviously they're going to have some ability to. Uh, one one of the good things about AEW is they allow the personalities and they they do give their characters uh, their talent some ability to kind of express themselves freely. 
uh, to, to a degree. And that's one of the draws for talent to go there. But ultimately, I mean, Sammy's going to have to toe the line that uh, AEW asked him to, or, you know, he's going to be uh, a free agent, <laughs> I guess. <Yeah. laughs> um, another word for it's, it's just a, it's a it's a line you got to walk. I mean, because I think us as wrestling fans who who don't know what it's like to be in a locker room, we don't know how, you know, we talk about the business, quote unquote, but we don't really know how it works and we've never done it before. Um, so, I mean, you've, you've got two sides of it. You've got the booking who is looking out for the greater good of the promotion. You would like to think now that doesn't mean there's not terrible booking decisions, but then you've got the, the talent who they are, they want the promotion to succeed, but ultimately they are a brand and right. they're looking out for their own, you know, career and longevity and things. And they don't want to do anything to detriment that. And so you got kind of that, that, that tug of war back and forth. And I think this stuff probably happens more than we're aware of. I think we're becoming aware of this now because it's interpromotional. Um, and it's kind of a, you know, feels like a bigger deal. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, I'm, I'm going to do a few as we uh, wind this thing down completely. Uh, I know I said that earlier, but I just wanted to hit on a few things because I think some of this, like Rob would like to know, but um, the um, uh, just some quick hits from the Observer this week. Folks, if you don't subscribe to the Wrestling Observer, I, I, I'm a big fan of it. I know Dave Meltzer is controversial, but I love when he writes the Wrestling Observer each week. And uh, he has a great uh, section in there about Butch Reed this week who unfortunately passed away recently and uh he does a amazing bio nobody i don't think anybody does it better except us eventually but uh it, the the stuff on butch reed is it's fantastic he gives a rundown of all the shows and that sort of thing print's kind of weird now because it's a little delayed but um he does have some stuff that just get, gets thrown in this here and there section which i find interesting uh for instance rob did you know that uh, this relates to something you said. Um, gosh, I think it must be on, a, on the episode that hasn't aired yet, but um, or maybe it was our last live show. I don't remember, but you know, where world titles. You talked about the um, the um, oh the mask guy. The uh, you're talking about uh, Midnight Rider. Midnight Rider, yeah. Well, you know, you were talking about the. Uh, Mass people couldn't hold titles. Did you know that Mexican election officials have just officially confirmed that masked wrestlers will be able to go on ballots and use their pro wrestling names and campaign and serve while wearing their masks? Oh, nice. that doesn't shock me at all. I mean, if you if you if you look, man, the 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 luchador tradition is is a treasured tradition. It's not like here in America where. You know, we, we, like, you know, if I'm going, if I'm in Walmart and I'm picking up my issue of PWI, I might roll it up so no one sees what I'm taking to the, to the checkout stand. It's not like that in Mexico, man. In Mexico, you got luchador uh, murals painted everywhere. It's part of the culture, man. They, they esteem it, they value it. It's an honored thing. And I wish that we would take, I wish we would esteem it more like they do. It's they, they revere it as part as intrinsic to the Mexican culture. I mean, we have this beautiful print. I, I actually purchased it for Tanya surprisingly for, for our anniversary or birthday or something, but she saw it and loved it. And it's this like 
hand painted luchador mask and it's just beautiful and it was painted by a local artist and she fell in love with it and it was like one you know it was numbered and and there was only 60 of them or whatever and i went and got it and they uh everybody was like when i had it she wasn't there she was back at the room or whatever everybody was like coming like oh man that's cool you're taking that back oh you're gonna love that that's gonna your family will treasure this forever you know they love um they love wrestling in Mexico. They love it. There's nothing, there's no stigma about it. Like there is in some places here in the country. Like we're, you know, we, we always try to preach that, uh, that, that wrestling is, is culture. It's refined culture. It's performance art. It's as legitimate as Broadway. And, uh, they believe that there, they really believe it there. And in all throughout Latin America, and I hope we get to the point in this country where we do, because, you know, uh, it, it, you know, I understand like they, uh, you know, people, people will smirk and laugh and, and this and that, but to me, it's not funny. I mean, it's like, it's a leg as legitimate a form of entertainment and pursuit as comic books or video games or Broadway or film or horror or whatever. It's legit. It's cool. And the Mexicans get it. And this is, doesn't surprise me at all that in Mexico, uh, you know, you've had luchador politicians that have, remove the mask and then achieve very high office in, in that country and throughout Latin America. Now that can be part of their, uh, their persona and part of their personality and part of their uh, political uh, brand as well. Yeah. Um, and Willie Bowen, you bring up a great point. Blue Damien Jr. First mass NWA world heavyweight champion. Um, and I, I think that's accurate. Um, but yeah, I think he's actually running for office right now, if I'm not mistaken, and also has a Disney Plus show about to come out. So he's uh, he's making his name known. So um, you name the other masked wrestler to have held the NWA World's title, not counting Midnight Rider, because that was. I was going to say it's the Midnight Rider. <laughs> nope, there's one other. Nacho uh, Libre. <laughs> Uh, I don't. Well, no. It feels like it would have had to have been recent, right? Or something. It was during the NWA TNA era. Who held was? I mean, would you count Sting like face painted? No, no. It would be uh, Abyss. Abyss was a master. Uh, Abyss. Okay, nice. All right, that's cool. See, you only get that stuff here. There you folks. go, Willie Bowen with the answer. Uh, I know he's uh, tired. I'm going to say this, and uh, this is sad news, so I don't want to like dwell on it. That won't be the last bit of news, but you asked about this the other day on our Mission Pro review we did on Tuesday. Uh, Rob, Dave Meltzer's reporting in The Observer this week that Shaw Guerrero announced she was leaving pro wrestling and any appearances in conjunction with wrestling due to what she called a very scary mental illness issue. She said that she's been advised by her loved ones and professionals not to participate in high-stress events at this time. She said she'll be seeking the help she needs, getting more treatment for her eating disorder, and hopefully getting answers and solutions for her to be able to reach a healthy mental state. She's daughter of Eddie and Vicky Guerrera and wife of Matt uh, Rywalt. Uh, you would better know him as Aiden English from WWE. Yeah. Uh, she was in the WWE from uh, 2010 to 2014 in developmental when she left for similar reasons, citing issues with an eating disorder. She has done well as a manager since then, uh, but that is apparently what's going on with Shaw Guerrero. She's announced her retirement from the, the wrestling business. So 
that is, uh, she was advertised for Mission Pro Wrestling most recently, for those that don't know. And uh, anyway, daughter of Eddie and Vicky Guerrero, uh, for people curious about that. Yeah. Um, I mean, one of the hardest things in the world is to be a a second, third, fourth, fifth generation wrestler, man. I mean, you, you carry so much weight just from that. The, the wrestling life is a hard life anyway. Um, you ask anybody that you've ever met. I mean, I've got friend, very, very close friends. One of my best friends in the world is the nature boy, Paulie. And he is just, he, you know, he, he's first generation, his son's second generation, obviously, but that, that they're, they're such a hardworking and dedicated family, but they, they are open to so much, you know, attack and judgment and this and that. And, and then you talk to people, friends of ours that are, you know, that, that are, uh, first generation pro wrestlers like Nick Aldis, for instance, and it's not an easy life. I mean, it means a lots of time away from family, you, the, uh, the, the imperative to perform and be at the top of your game. There's always criticism. I mean, Nick Aldis has been so heavily criticized this year for things that are outside of his control. Those kinds of things have to weigh on you. And then you, you tack on things that have nothing to do with pro wrestling, just the normal human plight you know the futility factor mental illness uh those kinds of things that are out there <laughs> being a woman's wrestler carries a whole layer of stress that men don't carry shaw guerrero is a beautiful woman she's a beautiful woman she's talented she's extremely capable um you know she's a guerrero and she's wrestling royalty and uh i don't know what the specifics are of her condition i knew that something was going on um we had caught wind of that but uh all I know is I wish her the best, and and uh, and I, 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 what she needs to do, what she needs to do to keep herself in a good state, and to get herself well, and to make sure that she stays, um, you know, in such a capacity where she can continue to live happy and and be there for her family and her husband, and and you know, family first, and wrestling is there, but uh, you know, if if it's not in the cards right now, and and if it, it's never in the cards, then it is what it is. It's a loss for the community, but she has to do what's best for her. And best wishes to you, Shaw. If you're listening, you know, we, we wish the best for you. And you don't owe anybody any excuse or any answer. You take care of yourself. And, uh, you know, um, much love for Shaw Guerrero. It's, it's another reminder, too. And we've had a lot of these, I feel like, in the last year. Um, that these are human beings. Like we, we see them as these larger than life characters and they portray uh, personas on, on TV and in the ring, like they are uh, untouchable and, and immune. You know, I mean, wrestling is a form of escapism for a lot of us. I mean, it's, a, that, it's that kind of form of, of entertainment and, and simulated combat. And, um, but, but underneath that persona is real people. And there's a lot of pressure on them, as you said, Rob, with traveling, being away from family, um, you know, but also, you know, for, for being physically fit and your physical health uh, for, you know, being on camera, on a mic, a lot of pressure that comes along with that. And um, so this is just another reminder, you know, that, that, you know, we can come on here and be critical and things like that, but these are real people. And uh, they are putting themselves out there for for our entertainment, for our enjoyment. Um, and, you know, just echoing what Rob said, you, you don't owe anybody anything. 
uh, go take care of yourself. Uh, that goes for anyone in the wrestling industry. Um, take care of yourself first. Um, there's plenty of people to to entertain us and uh, to do their thing. So I, I want I want everyone to be healthy and happy. Yeah. Couldn't have said it better than uh, either one of these guys. And uh, I don't want to end on like a completely somber note. So I will point out that he did point to an outsider.com article this past week uh, that is worth checking out that details all of the discussions and planning that went into a proposed Jerry the King Lawler versus Elvis Presley match back in the day. Uh, Elvis Presley, apparently a big fan of professional wrestling and, uh, a lot of concern came in that Elvis was not in the best of shape at the time that it was proposed, but uh, he was supposedly going to get in good uh, good shape for the tour he was in. This is like around on, uh, I think, just before 1977 when he passed away. So uh, anyway, interesting stuff there. And uh, if you're wondering, I did look this up. And uh, Blue Demon Jr. has said that the new Ultraviolet and Blue Demon television show will air on Disney Plus uh, at the end of 2021. They're doing 10 to 12 episodes, and uh, it'll come out right. It's trying to get ahead of Triple Mania, I think, is the the big deal there. Um, guys, I don't know. I don't know what else to talk about. I think we're probably going to wrap this thing up. Cody Rhodes did injure his shoulder i saw too i don't know if you guys saw that but on his last match here recently he injured a tore rotator cuff a little um i don't i don't leave that out so i'll mention that here but supposedly um he'll be all right to come back by march 3rd which is when his match with Shaq is supposed to take place so we will see um you guys have anything you want to add to the rest of this show tonight uh, no, I enjoyed TakeOver, enjoyed hanging out with everyone. Um, just reiterating our schedule coming up, we'll have a new uh, pre-recorded episode coming out this week uh, about the history of pro wrestling. You definitely want to check that out. Make sure you're subscribed to our audio feed. Um, and, yeah, just let us know. Join the Discord. Let us know what you think. Agreed. Enjoy um, hanging out, guys. I hope you guys had a happy Valentine's Day. Uh, uh, with your loved ones and your significant others and, and, uh, Hey man, had fun. All right. Well, thank you guys so much for hanging out. Obviously that was at, this is Will Martin and at, this is Dr. Stinson. I am at, this is Gary Horn. You can follow us on all the social medias at those names and especially at TIPW show, which is the uh, account for, for every social media for the show itself to get informed of all the episodes that drop, all of the live streams that happen, all of those things. We thank you so much for being a part of this. Join our Discord. If you go to Twitter right now, at TIPW Show, it's the pinned tweet right at the top. Just click on that link, go to it, join us and hang out with us. Talk about wrestling. We want to hang out with you. We want to interact with you. We are grateful for each and every one of you. And if you have friends family, whoever, love wrestling and want to just talk about wrestling, hear news, hear BS, all about wrestling, send them <laughs> our way. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Make sure you share it with people. We we want to reach out to you. Thank you so much, and thanks for hanging out on NXT Live.